Okay, welcome to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina, and we've got an amazing episode today. I spoke to Nav Sawney, the founder of The Washing Machine Project. This is an amazing business that has been featured on the BBC, The Guardian, ITV, and many more, with the ambition of providing hand-powered washing machines to underdeveloped communities. He talks about how he left his well-paid dream job at Dyson to embark on his journey after being inspired by his friendship to a girl who struggled washing her clothes by hand in an underdeveloped community. He also talks about how he wants to grow the company into a for-profit initiative to enable him to grow and provide this to other communities that struggle with this problem. It was a really heartwarming story and it's something that, that definitely inspired me. Um, yeah, an amazing story. As always, thank you so much for clicking on this podcast and thank you so much for the support so far. It's been really, really phenomenal. Uh, if you do enjoy this podcast, be sure to leave a written review down below, share with your friends, and yeah, let's get on the episode. Hey Nav, how are you? Hey, I'm good, I'm good, feeling good, uh, it's a lovely day today. How are you? Yeah, really good, what have you been up to? Um, I feel like sometimes I'm juggling lots of different plates, you know, uh, so uh, we've been really busy pitching to investors over the last couple of weeks so preparing for that and doing a few media things and also engineering uh, a product as well so really busy stuff mate you're so you're so heavy on media i've seen out of all the guests that i've interviewed yours you were probably the easiest to find research on because you've done you've done interviews at, at bbc you've done interviews at the guardian itv mate you've done every single one <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh I don't, uh, yeah, sometimes I wonder like how it happened and like how it's panned out. But it seems to, the stories really seem to capture the imagination of people. So, yeah. And yeah, my no, mom, it's really it's, cool. And my mum's really proud of me as well. So that's, a, so that's a good thing. That's just all about at the end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what is, what is this story that seems to inspire so many people to interview you inspire me to want to have you on the pod basically yeah what what is this what is the story um wow that's a that's a really that's a really deep question um so yeah i just just start off with just start off with what what the washing machine project actually is so um the washing machine project is a social enterprise uh, we started in 2018 and uh, we make uh, manual crank handle uh, washing machines for for people around the world who who have to hand wash clothes. Um, and there's roughly seventy percent of the the world's population that that, that have to do this. Um, uh, and yeah, it's incredible numbers, uh, and it affects a, a lot of the world. Yeah, it's a problem that I mean, I don't know. I guess I was very naive. I didn't really think. I didn't really think about it as as a problem being there so how yeah how did you kind of find out that this is a this is a thing yeah so i have to kind of rewind back uh, all the way to the beginning really so um so i'm an engineer uh by background and um when i was a kid uh, i used to be obsessed with how, how things worked you know really curious mind I would, uh, my, my father was a aerospace engineer, so he'd take me to air shows. And so I'd, I'd go, I'd go to, 
air shows, I'd I'd watch these big objects in the sky, and I'd be like, how the how did how did, how are they doing that? Now? And so I'd come back and I'd go into the cupboard and get the toolbox and and take apart appliances. And this is as a four year old, five year old kid, you know. And I not I used to break everything. So my mum used to be really unhappy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I wouldn't know how to put back to appliances together, but you know, I, uh, I, I was really curious about how things work. So, so taking up engineering was a real natural transition for me. Um, but I'm also from the Asian community, uh, you know, small community in West London. So, really conscious about the world uh, and social good and helping others. You know, my family are from India, so we travel to India every summer. So I, I was kind of aware of some of the problems around the world, but not really. Um, so those kinds of things uh, led me to university, natural transition to, to study engineering. Um, I studied aerospace engineering. I graduated. Uh, I landed a, an amazing job at, at Dyson. Uh, and as a young engineering graduate, going to Dyson is such an incredible feeling, you know. Um, yeah, you're, you're in an ideas factory. You're really it's a dream job for many people. Yeah, it's real. It's an amazing job, you know. And it's not many, not many jobs where you get to talk about your ideas to the big boss it, itself, and you know they really champion young talent. You know. Um, but it was about uh, three years in, you know, when I was still at uh, still at, at Dyson, and I was I was making vacuum cleaners at the time in research, and I had this kind of moment where I was like, well, "What what am I doing? You know, what I'm making vacuum cleaners. You know, I'm designing vacuum cleaners for 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 rich people, for for people who already have a lot of things in their life. You know." Um, so I uh, I think that's when that's when I kind of I got a bit dis, disgruntled and I I, I, I went on sabbatical uh, and so you, you can imagine coming from an Asian family you come you come from an Iranian family so you probably know how this feels like right <laughs> I know exactly how it feels so so going to your your parents and saying you know what um. I'm really not happy in this situation. I want to try something new. Uh, yeah. Um, Especially when it's a good paying job as well. Yeah, with a lot of potential, you know. Um, yeah. So I decided to go on sabbatical and volunteer for free uh, for one year with Engineers Without Borders UK. Um, and I got sent out to South India to make uh, clean and efficient cooking stoves. Um, and we'll come on to why that's a problem. Um, yeah, so I got sent to like a really rural village to, to, to work for an organization making these, uh, cooking stoves that help, uh, uh, people who use traditional cooking methods, you know, so traditional cooking methods are really, uh, toxic in smoke and really time consuming to gather wood and, and it's really arduous. And so we were trying to develop cooking methods that, that really help these kinds of people, you know, and it affects 50% of the world. So it, when I was in that role, uh, 
in in South India for one year. I really, I really learnt the art of, you know, the wider context of problem solving. You know, we called it uh, problem solving for the bottom of the pyramid. Um, and 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 it was at that point uh, when I was living in the village that I met a, a lady called called Divya, and that's where when the the penny drop moment yeah, yeah, yeah. occurred um, of the washing machine project yeah I've, I've read about this and it's, it, it seems like a sort of I've, I saw a photo as well with with it was you and her and you were yeah it seems like a very much like a big turning point in, in your life where you, you met her and even like even the first prototype of the product that you ended up inventing was was named after her wasn't it yeah um, so Divya is a really good friend of mine and was my next door neighbor when I was living in South India. Um, and so Divya's problems are really simple, you know. Uh, Divya doesn't have continuous running electricity. So so when her seven-year-old son, Suguma, needs to study for an exam the next day, he doesn't have electricity to, to have, you know, for light, for example. So yeah. There's this one like really vivid moment, and I can share some pictures with you afterwards uh, of of Suguma and, and Divya uh, studying underneath the, the flashlight on my cell phone, you know. And um, Divya doesn't have access to uh, continuous gas, so she uses a traditional cook stove. And then, and I also found that Divya didn't have access to an electric washing machine, so hand washes her clothes. So you know these problems are really simple and. We seem to have cracked them in 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 places like Europe and America, but why should people like Divya suffer like this, you know? Um, and so yeah. it, it was at that point that I promised Divya a manual washing machine because I noticed that she used to spend hours and hours and hours a day on this relatively unproductive task, causing back pain, joint pain, skin irritation. You know, she used to complain all the time about not having not having enough time to look after her kids or go to work and and things like that so i said i promised her uh, a manual washing machine and and, and that's that's the, that's been the central focus of, of our mission you know to to provide a manual washing machine for people like divya and um and that's why we called our prototype the divya that's a beautiful story of how it started and it's it's something that I I love I love hearing stories like that and it's it's a very you know it's very heartfelt as, as well and so what was what was kind of so you promised it to her and I mean I guess a lot of people might make that promise and it could have been an empty promise but you you delivered on it so what was the kind of next step between you promising it to her and where you are now Yeah it's it's been a real whirlwind of a ride really um, and yeah, shout out to like everyone that supported the journey and supported us on 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 the way, um, and still so much to do. Um, so you you know um, if you look at our logo, uh, it it goes from dark blue to light blue and then an orange heart in the middle. So even in the formation of our, our social enterprise, we wanted to to keep. Uh, at the center of our logo, the, the beneficiary, the people like Divya, you know? So always reminding us of the promise that we made, you know? Um, 
so I uh, after my year in India, I came back home. I I formed the social enterprise, the washing machine project, and I we got to work, you know, and we did the research, uh, and the research is, it's 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 unapologetic, you know. We've interviewed five hundred families in in six countries all over the world, and some of the data that we've we've come across is the numbers are incredible. So seventy percent of the world right now don't have access to an electric washing machine. Um, a majority of these people use more than 40 litres of water for hand-washing clothes. And that's basically half the allotted amount of water uh, someone gets in a refugee camp. Um, women, because this is unfortunately uh, a burden that's disproportionately placed on women, would wash in yeah. rivers, lakes, streams, in buckets, on on floors, um, causing skin irritation and back pain and and we found that they 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 do this task and they spend more than 20 hours a week doing this you know um so we established that you know there's a problem we 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 did a lot of research into the problem um and then we we did some research on the solutions and and you know there are manual washing machines out there and they're really good manual washing machines, uh, but mm. you'll see uh, when you do the research, uh, they're not developed for people like Divya. They're developed for people like you and me, people that are passionate about uh, living off the grid, people who have tiny homes, people who have caravans, and this is reflected in the price, you know. Um, and so yeah. we, we've identified a gap where. No one in the world today is developing a manual washing machine for someone like Divya. And so this is reflected in our production cost, which is £25. And and this is on the back of a bit of research that we did in terms of the buying power of, of women living in poverty around the world. Anything more than £25 to £35 uh, then she cannot afford it and won't buy it. You know, anything less, then she has the power to say yes. You know, um, because the majority of the funds are associated to the man, and so she has to ask for permission, and the man will say no. Simple as you know. So there's some really intricate uh, details to to how how we positioned ourselves, um, and then. I formed a team. Uh, I, I told them about the story, the cause of what I'm trying to do and surrounded myself with some really amazing people that, that really want to make the world a better place in the skills and experiences that they have. Because I feel right now young people are feeling really frustrated, you know. They, they want to help, but they don't know yeah. how, you know. So, yeah, so the exactly. Washington Machine Project is a really good outlet for that. And... And yeah, we've been lucky enough to be partnered with a, a few huge agencies such as Oxfam and the UN um, to help us prototype and uh, distribute in refugee camps to then test, which is where we are right now in our piloting phase. That's so cool. It's really, yeah, so, so cool. Um, like, <laughs> I guess I guess when you do study engineering, it's kind of like... 
kind of like one of these superpowers where it's like you can either use it for good or you can use it for evil because like we had a previous guest who did engineering and he got a very lucrative offer at a defense company and so the salary is really high and you know he he was very much thinking about taking it he didn't in the end and i guess for, for someone like you you know a very bright engineer it could be you know at the age of like 22 it could be really attractive for you to go down the route of you know defense or i mean and then you got then you got sort of everything in between where your moralities are, are not tested as much so you got you know the dyson your morality wouldn't be as tested but even then you saw your skills weren't being used you know to fulfill yourself and and what you think it should be used for yeah 100 percent, man. like you know i think it, as a young undergraduate and i and i 100 percent felt it the same you know you have a there's a pressure that's placed on you to basically find the first job that that is offered to you um and and you go for it you know you don't think twice about the impact you know engineers have the impact to to do some really dangerous things and we're seeing that right now in the world today you know with yeah. with uh, missile companies and def, you know um nuclear companies and yeah. uh, and things like that so it's it's about it's about really kind of understanding your impact yeah. your social values your morality and and how do how do they align with each other and and what sits what what sits well with you you know yeah. cuz at the end of the day your conscience you know but they they pay the they pay the big bucks they pay the high salaries so i guess it's the sort of question of you know everyone's got a price don't they Every, yeah exactly and everyone has a price and 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 um so when i came back from india i was lucky enough to be elected on the on the board of trustees for engineers without borders uk the charity and so what what uh, what we're trying to do for the charity is basically you know equalize the the understanding in these big companies to do ethical engineering you know yeah um, so so having socially conscious engineers in these in these rooms um, another thing that I noticed as well and you'll 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 find that I, I like to keep busy another thing that I'm doing right now is I'm doing a master's in humanitarianism uh, <laughs> no, you're doing you're doing everything yeah so I'm doing a master's in humanitarianism and some of my uh, friends on the course are really incredible directors of charities, big NGOs and things like that, but not one NGO, uh, not one uh, engineer on the course. Yeah. And I, th I think it's important for engineers to be in the rooms of policymakers, government officials who are making the big decisions about, you know, humanitarian agencies and, and you know, funding decisions and, and coming up with solutions for some of the world's biggest challenges today. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Going back to the to the washing machine project, like you, you made the promise uh, to, to Divya, but then um, so how did, how did you kind of get the funding to build the project and how did you go through the whole like prototyping phase and all of that? Yeah, and I, I wish I learned some of this uh, with, with hindsight, you know, you feel like hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah. you know, if only if only I kind of learnt what I know now back then, and and it's basically um, 
to to get yourself out there as quick as possible. Talk to as many people that are willing to listen, you know? Um, so it's really funny. I I had an introduction through a, a friend of mine on the course. Uh, he invited uh, me out to Iraq with a prototype uh, to be tested in refugee camp. So we took one really crude pro- prototype. It was like strapped to our back. Um, uh, we actually put our clothes in it and it was our main luggage on the flight, you know? <laughs> so, so it was really funny. And um, we took that to Iraq. We had a couple of meetings with the directors at Oxfam and then they said they really liked it and they can see the potential. Um, and we got a bit of seed funding from the Response Innovation Lab um, uh, at Oxfam. So they, they provided us with some funding for an initial pilot of 50 uh, prototypes. Uh, uh, we did that, but we also set up a fundraising page, uh, which is still live today. Uh, and we we look for donations from people who who want to donate and have impact. Um, and most recently, we've partnered up with uh, Santander's University and uh, Bath University, who uh, run an accelerator and have seed funded us. So it's all happened with that one introduction. I hundred I, percent I believe that you know it, it's it's basically. Um, just talking to the right people yeah. and, and making sure that we, you know, keep knocking at the door. You know, keep turning up, keep keep uh, being interested, and you know, keep learning. And and we've never stopped learning. See, a lot of a lot of young entrepreneurs that I talk to, you know, they they have a, an idea, but they kind of they they want to do the opposite of what you just said. They want to always kind of not tell anyone. They want to keep it a secret. Because they, they're, yeah. you know, they're afraid of people stealing their idea or whatever. What would you kind of say to that? Because that's the opposite of what of what you just said. Yeah, it's a really valid point, and maybe this is my naivety as an engineer, not a, as an entrepreneur. I don't know. I would, yeah. I would probably agree with you. Actually, I, I, I think because I used to be, I used to be the one, you know, keeping everything a secret. But I think, you know, business is isn't about you know an idea; it's about the execution of that idea. So you know, telling 100%. people. They're always willing to help you, but you know they won't actually steal your idea. I think they'll always they'll always be willing to help you out. And if you keep it to yourself, the potential for it to grow is a lot less than if you told people. Yeah, and I think you know you're not going to make make it uh, alone. You know you yeah, need help. Hundred percent. You need like I wouldn't have been able to develop uh, so quickly if it wasn't for my like trusted team members you know and you know I, we wouldn't have been able to to get funding if it wasn't for talking to people and, and i think you know people are very protective of proprietary technology and 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 you should uh, endeavor to protect your ip if you feel like it's protectable but you you hit the nail on the head there you know like it's it's about execution you know and and what we're trying to do is is no easy feat, you know. Otherwise, a hundred companies would have done it by now. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think for you specifically, like you you left a, a pretty good job. You left, you know, we talked about it earlier. You know, a dream job for many people working at Dyson. So your motivation to solve this problem, you know, must be so immense. How like where does that come from? Um, I think it's just 
the pure will and drive to to get things done, you know, to to try and uh, have as much impact uh, uh, as as much impact as you can with the with the time that you have. See, the thing is, my father died when I was very young, and I've always had this kind of underlying conscience that you know our time on earth is very limited you know we only have a finite period of time and we only have an x amount of years that we can actively pursue things you know and i and i feel like at the end of this we'll be measured by by the impact the positive impact that we have on not only uh, our families and friends but other people you know and and I, that just really motivates me every day. You know, people like Divya motivate me every day so much so that I got her picture and her family picture uh, printed on my bank card. So every time <laughs> I spend money, I have that in my mind. You know. Yeah, so, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. There's not many times where I speak to a guest where I'm kind of just I don't really know what to ask next. So I'm just I'm just yeah just. The level of admiration is is really high, and I guess I mean, what sort of yeah, what sort of advice would you have to young entrepreneurs? You you always say you said before that you wish you started sooner. So, what sort of things would you have changed if you had the second chance? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of uh, tell you a bit of a story, actually. Yeah, go ahead. A bit of an, a little bit of an anecdote, um, uh, and this is for everyone that thinks that you know poor people don't have enough money to buy products um, or, you know, there's not enough money in the developing world to, to target that, that, that area of the world, you know, and, and I wanted to give you an example of, you know, pregnant women uh, around the world. So if, if you're a pregnant woman, you will not menstruate for roughly around two years of, your, of, of, of that pregnancy, uh, and that duration uh, afterwards. Now, um, uh, this—if you're a, a, a company that makes menstrual pads, this is really bad for business um, because you want to push out as many pads as you as you can. But um, but you you should be really happy to know that. The amount of uh, women per chil- uh, uh, children per women around the world is decreasing, which means there's a growing number of women around the world that are looking for your products right now. Yeah, and people that, that run menstrual pad companies and that that run the budgets for these marketing uh, uh, departments in these in these companies continuously try and target people in Europe, people in America, you know, the global north, yeah. as we say, it, you know, uh, let's try and make a pad for uh, someone doing yoga. Let's try and make a pad for someone that's swimming. Let's try and make a pad for someone that's rock climbing. But you have a growing number of women on, on, on income levels one and two. So the poorest of the poor and people just above that who are having less kids and menstruating more that are looking for products like yours. So why are you overlooking them? You know? Yeah. Um, so, so I think this mentality needs to be changed, you know, and that could be applied for everything in the world today. Every single product, refrigeration systems, um, 
washing machines, cook stoves, you know, these are simple products um, that that people in growing amounts uh, need right now. Yeah. Uh, and innovation is needed. So if you apply that to young entrepreneurs, you know, who have who have uh, a product that has a social cause, you know, don't be too disheartened because there is a market and a growing market. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's one thing that I wanted to, to say. And, and, and you, you said it right, you know. I wish I started this 10 years ago. So I'm, I'm 29 right now. But if I, if I was 19 and I had this idea, you know, where would I be in the world today? You know, and it'd be such an interesting exercise. And do you know what? I think everything works out for a reason. And, yeah. and the reason why I didn't start back then is pro- probably because I was scared or I didn't know. But you know what? Like the fear of failure amongst the younger generation is real, you know? It um, is, yeah. It's a strange it's a strange one because the I've seen my generation want to make an impact so much more than the previous, you know, a social impact. At the same time, I think my generation are really scared of failure. More than more so yeah. than the previous generations. And it's something that I don't know. It's 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 a very it's very unusual because they are very you know counteracting things, and it goes back to your thing of you know they want to make impact but they don't know how. Yeah, exactly, and 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 I, I think I have a couple of reasons why that might be. You know, when you when you when you jump onto social media, you see you see so much um, curated stuff. You know, everything yeah. is yeah yeah everything is a hundred percent hunky-dory you know like everything is a success story you know and there's you don't see failure online so why would you identify with it you know empathize with it you know and you know people need to talk about failures more you know it's been such a hard journey to get where we are there's been so many failures we've had um, but we learn and and we will continue to fail and it's about the learning process. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, we had to, so we distributed 50 washing machines in Iraq yeah. in December. And we had a very small amount of our budget to go to logistics. And can you imagine, uh, we, we made these washing machines in, in our workshop in London. And to ship 50 of these to Iraq by road or by air is really expensive. And so... We, we, we got roughly like 21 quotes, I think, and from uh, things like uh, flying in, flying uh, through like FedEx and, and, and through air transport, through ship and things like that. And um, we had to settle on this really, really dodgy back of the truck driver, you know, like <laughs> don't ask any questions, give, just give me your product. And I'll make sure it gets to Oxfam in Iraq in two weeks, you know. And <laughs> yeah, and 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 um, we were like, it was around Christmas time, and about a week later, we 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 sent him our deposit. Um, about eight hundred pounds we sent him, and it was a two thousand pound cost for logistics, and and we didn't hear from him, you know. So no no word from him. He he had the washing machines, and and he just sat on them for a week, uh, over Christmas. And he promised us that he would deliver the next day or or pick up delivery the next day. Um, 
and and he was he was demanding he was demanding uh the rest of the money the the 1200 pounds Mate, this sounds said, dodgy <laughs> Yeah, you know, he 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 said your washing machines are in Amsterdam right now, and I will tell my driver to drop them there if you don't give us the money. So it was like it was like pirate logistics, you know. Like we we had to go through like a crisis negotiation and calm him down, and you know we uh, we had the the kind of agreement in place in in writing, but. He wasn't having any of it, and you know we agreed to pay him a, about uh, four hundred pound extra, and then agreed to to pay the rest on delivery. And you know we we learned a lot from those kinds of things, you know, and 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 you know those kinds of experiences have only made us stronger, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's kind of a very hard way to learn that lesson. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, a lot of sleepless. Nights. Yeah, a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's just one story of, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, dozens of dozens of stories of, of failures that you faced in this journey because it, it must be one that, you know, it's really, really tough because it's one that, yeah, it must, it must have been a very, you know, difficult journey up until this point, for sure. For me, it's making sure that, you know, we're held accountable. So, you know, the 500 families that we we spoke about earlier, you know, for every every family that I meet, I feel accountable to to deliver the the right product for them, you know, and and that's not going to happen uh, from the very beginning, but we'll get there slowly and surely. Yeah. Um, another big challenge is your team. You know, making sure you have the right team around you that have the best interest of the organization. Like, how do you motivate people without paying them? You know. And, you know, and that's something that we have to face every day, you know. So different uh, people's priority, volunteer priority. Um, you know, I've learned so much about people over the last year compared to something that I knew before. You know, like e- each person has their own motivation as to why they're working on something, you know. Yeah. And it's about t- tapping into that motivation. That's really important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did the guy, did the guy end up uh, delivering... Your washing machines. Yeah, he did. Uh, I don't think we'll ever be working with him again. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could give him a second chance. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but for us, it was uh, easy. You know. Yeah, I know. Uh, I guess you were de- just... you were desperate in that situation. Yeah, we were really desperate. We were really tight on on deadlines. We overran with our product development last year, and you know we were running behind our our testing and. And 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 you know the the delivery date of when the the washing machines had to be in Iraq had to be that date because we were f- flying in on the same day. I, I I said to the team, you know what? Let's book the tickets now to p- keep us to account and put pressure on us to deliver, so that we have to deliver. So we took book the tickets, and the the washing machines had to be there at that date because we had to distribute them. You know, so yeah. Uh, but just just on one of your points earlier so you talked about oh i wish i i wish i started 10 years earlier i wish i started 10 years earlier but i guess that kind of brings out something else where i mean i guess in 10 years time if you look back and say oh i wish i started 10 years earlier i think it just goes back to saying you know now is the best time to start if you do have an idea and you do think you can make an impact yeah and do you know what like i think you know the 
current pandemic has really has really taught us that you know like no plans for the future you know the the time is now to do the things that you need to do and and you're an example of that right this podcast is a product of the pandemic it is yeah Uh, born out of pandemic (laughs) (laughs) exactly and 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 uh, you know you know we need to overcome the the fears that we have in our ourselves to 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 not do things you know like wh- why aren't we why aren't we trying to do do things that uh are are in our minds you know why don't we act on those things and um i think uh people are, are worried that they don't have enough time yeah or they're worried that it's too much pressure uh, but I think you'll find that if you want to do it enough, it will happen naturally, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, Nav, where is where is the Washing Machine Project right now? So right now, um, uh, we're monitoring and evaluating our 50 prototypes in Iraq. We're getting feedback as, as much as we can with the current crisis in, in refugee camps and around the world. Um, but we're using this time to take stock of where we are um uh we've been lucky enough to to hire three interns thanks to bath university so they're really uh, busy as we speak right now currently applying for funding so we're going through a, a, a few raises uh trying to create that 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 end product of 25 pounds at the end of next year so that's our next milestone trying to develop a mass manufacturable washing machine okay for 25 pounds and as as for growth do you would you do you rely on say grant funding or is it something that you think you know there is a revenue there and you can kind of grow organically without that grant funding yeah so right now we're heavily dependent on donations and grant funding and partnerships Uh, but by 2023, we want 95% of our revenue generated through customer sales, uh, selling okay. 8,000 machines. So That's interesting. So at the, at the £25 per unit that you just talked about? Uh, so £25 production costs, £35. Sorry, yeah, 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 okay. I've got you. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because that, that would allow you to grow organically to the point where you know you said you said earlier 70 percent of the global population have this problem you know that's a huge market if you and if you can grow organically you know this is a huge problem that you could solve yeah and 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 sometimes when we talk to investors it's actually too big of a problem you know um (laughs) yeah so we've like segmented the market uh, initially to to focus on Five countries in the global south, uh, India, Nigeria, Indonesia, Pakistan, uh, Brazil, to name a few. And then we want to target refugee camps in in Iraq, Jordan and Lebanon. Um, And and, um, my main focus right now is to make sure that the product meets the specifications that we've we've outlined. You know, we uh, we're, we're. we're doing what we say on the tin because a lot of this is based on trust, you know? So yeah. delivering something that people will want to use from now and in the future. Um, so I, I want to use the time wisely to 
to make sure that we're creating a product that 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 is perfect yeah as you said like the 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 market's really big and it's too big probably for you to you know dominate on your own i'd love to see that happen but it's just it's just not feasible yeah and and you know like you know when we're making uh, cook stoves in south yeah. india and that company is still running prakti is the name thank you prakti for inspiring me uh, you changed my life um um they have like a global cook stove alliance you know so there's uh multiple enterprises trying to make cook stoves to to combat this problem you know and and we 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 believe that we're not the solution for everyone but we're a part of the solution and we want to we want to uh, help as much as we can and we want to motivate people as much as we can to to also enter this market and yeah. and, and and you know why why stop at why stop at washing machines you know that's what Last i was going to ask I, you i was going to ask if you have any other ideas about any other problems yeah. that you want to solve yeah we have other innovations in the pipeline you know we're not uh, just a washing machine company right now we are but we want to focus on solutions that really better the lives of of people like divya you know for for example off the grid refrigeration systems so divya could not refrigerate any of her her, her her food because the power used to be cut all the time and uh food used to go off so it was just dry ingredients that she she had you know yeah uh, so those so those kinds of things we're looking into as well yeah uh, in the future you're a really busy man um i mean yeah i i love i love that story i really do and um i love what you're doing i mean we can we can talk about i want to ask you a question but if if you're not comfortable with it we can just we can just cut it out but how how big of a motivation it was was your like is your father to to your journey right now um actually it's a bit opposite it's actually the um uh, the motivation of my mother is what drives me okay uh so uh my mom uh has worked her whole life she uh is one of uh, six siblings um and from the age of 12 has been working to provide for her family and she's in her late 60s now and she's still working and so when when uh my father died and we were all very young she had to kind of almost become the head of the family again and provide for us so i know what it takes to have powerful strong motivated and independent women at the head of the family looking after the family and and that's what motivates me every day and if i could just for a moment alleviate some sort of burden for someone like divya give her back 10 hours to herself then that's a wrap for me you know and and i and i have my mum in mind you know of how much she worked us worked so hard uh, for us to have the opportunities that we have today you know yeah i i love the story as i said um and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on nav uh, i i love the whole washing machine project and it's something that i'm definitely going to follow in the future and i i, I wish you the be- the very best of luck i really mean that and and you as well i think you're doing an amazing thing you know and it just goes to show like uh people like you young um 
uh, entrepreneurs, people that are interested in doing things differently. Uh, you know, it really kind of empathizes with people. So keep pushing and don't give up. That's great. How can people stay in touch with you and the washing machine project? So yeah, you can follow us on our socials, uh, the Washing Machine Project, so on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and uh, on Twitter, it's the Wash Org. Um, and you know, we're we're on an incredible journey, some big things in the pipeline, and uh, we're also looking for people to help us. You know, so if you want to volunteer for us, whether you're an engineer or or in, in business administration or development or you want to write up an application for us you know we're willing to provide that support to you that's great thanks a lot so now you can uh, on your website you can put as featured on bbc itv and the millennial entrepreneur <laughs> exactly exactly exactly, exactly. All right. with great with pride yeah exactly great to have you on nav thank you so much appreciate it a lot Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. Uh, it was a really inspiring story, as I said at the beginning, and definitely one that I'll, I'll keep in touch with and one that you should definitely keep in touch with in the future because I really feel that the washing machine project could grow massively in the next few years. Thank you so much for listening. If you, do, if you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, any feedback would be amazing, uh, actually, because we're, we're quite far, far through our journey now and... Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback on, you know, what what you like, what you, what you think we could do better. Uh, you could you could list those all in the written review down below, or message me on the Instagram page and follow it as well while you're there. Thanks again. My name's Ben Cena, and I'll see you in the next episode.